Strava Craft Coffee is a rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups. You can get it whole bean or you can get it ground. And no matter what, you can get it shipped straight to your door for 20% off when you use the code DNVR20. And man, great stuff over at Strava Craft Coffee. So make sure you check it out. You're going to love it. And you can get it for 20% off. You can test out their CBD coffees. If, hey, you know, you're not uh, too interested in the CBD stuff, well, you can just get their regular coffees as well. But make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee today. Broncos Country is Sitting in the South Stands Drinking the Coors from Mile High The best part of the weekend Hugging the perfect stranger As they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at DNVR Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Awesome stuff over at MSU Denver Online. Uh, you can check them out at msudenver.edu slash online. They've got rigorous and affordable online programs. And, you know, you can really expedite the process of getting that degree that maybe you've been putting off for a long time. So check it out, msudenver.edu slash online. My boys! <laughs> What's up? Happy Thursday. I got to say, I am, I am in a great mood today because – there is competitive sports on my television right now. Yes, golf. Golf has returned, uh, and it is a, is a sight to see. It is interesting that they don't have fans out there, but I've got the TV on mute anyway, so I can't really tell. Oh, man, how fantastic is it that live sports are starting to creep back into our lives? Does, does it really detract anything, though, not having live fans for golf? I mean, you, I guess you occasionally lose the moron, the, you, you lose the moron who would click the shutter just as the guy was stri- the, the player striking the ball on a drive, or you, you lose some idiot saying, "You demand as they hit the ball, but I, I don't think golf really loses anything by losing the galleries, especially in the first round of a non-major tournament. That's just me. I've always considered just like, you know, finding like a kid who's looking for a job and just giving him like 25 bucks to just follow me around on the golf course and just yell, get in the hole after every <laughs> single shot that I hit and make me feel like more of a pro. Oh, Until then, after when your ball's sailing, do you just do it like under your, under your uh, sleeve? You're like, get in the hole! <laughs> I feel like every golfer has like, four or five terms that they say every time the ball is in the air it's either like go sit be right f (laughs) are those your four yeah i think those are those are the ones like the the worst is when you think you hit it perfectly it's going right at the flag and then you had the distance wrong and you're just like oh it's in the bunker (laughs) one Uh, of the things that i was so (laughs) amazed at while watching the match too is just how Tiger and Phil and these professional golfers, heck, maybe even you, Ryan, they know right when they hit the ball. I mean, they don't even watch where the ball goes. They, they, they are, you know, walking to their bag, not even looking. They know exactly where it's going to go from the moment they hit it. 
Yeah, well, when you're hitting it in the short stuff, it's pretty easy to know that it's not going to be tough to find. <laughs> uh, so I do, uh, like maybe like one out of every five of my drives, I give it the no look, grab the tee and walk off because I'm like, oh, that's going to be in the fairway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, you've heard of We Get Mad Wednesday. You've heard of uh, some of the other ones that we've done before that aren't freaking pissed Friday. Well, it's ticked off Thursday, boys, <laughs> and we are absolutely ticked off today because our good man, our good friend, the you know, just Broncos country legend, Nick Wright, Mace predicted this perfectly, so hats off to Mace. The fact that it happened the day he said it is almost wild. Uh, he <laughs> said, you know what, they're going to pin Nick Wright and Colin Cowherd up against each other on Drew Lock for clicks and viewers and whatever the hell else they need over there. And he was right. And Colin Cowherd had Nick Wright on his show, and they went through some things that they disagree on, and, of course, they landed on Drew Locke. And Colin Cowherd, once again, this is like the eighth time Nick Wright has been presented with an opportunity to defend this take. Like, Colin Coward's like, you think I'm crazy? Go ahead and explain why. And, man, I, I mean, I haven't heard that much stuttering uh, since the kid in Billy Madison was trying to read. And then Billy Madison said, today, Junior? Because he didn't know what to – I mean, how could he not be prepared for this? I don't understand. Every single time he's on TV, they ask him about this, or he's on the radio in Denver, and they say, Nick, why do you feel this way? And he cannot, he is incapable of coming up with one thing that, that defends his reason why he thinks the Broncos and Drew Locke are going to suck. The best thing we got yesterday, I mean, this, again, this is at least the fourth time he's had an opportunity to explain this. The best thing we got yesterday is, I, I watched him at Missouri. There's a reason he was a mid-second round pick. It's like, come on, man. What, this guy is, I just, how do you get paid to go on TV and give your opinion? And he doesn't even have a real opinion. He's... He, he has an indefensible opinion, and he, he can't even come up with some BS to defend it. I'm sure he would have said uh, there was a reason Lamar Jackson fell to the end of the first round. Hey, did you watch his college tape? I mean, yeah, Lamar Jackson was a Heisman winner. Drew Locke had the most touchdown passes in college. So if you watch the college tape, you can see that the guy balled too there, Nick, right? And again, he's just proving that he's Nick wrong. like you know what guys I watched Tom Brady at Michigan and there's a reason that he was a sixth round pick (laughs) right exactly at what point do people like this change their mind and say or what at what point do they say shoot I probably can't rely off that second round grade I had on him from college is it after five games is Nick Wright going to say the same thing if Drew Locke has a similar production this year? Is he going to say, well, he's still not the guy because I saw him in college? Is he? I mean, at what point does it change for him? And I'm guessing he only saw one Drew Locke game last year because Nick Wright is a rabid Kansas City Chiefs fan. So he probably only saw the game in the snow. And his vision of Drew Locke is – the Broncos scoring three points and throwing an inter- end zone interception, which basically if you watch Drew Locke at Mizzou, the kind of throwing across his body, believing that the arm talent can make any play, 
and having it picked off. Watching him at Mizzou, you did, you did see that. But if you are observing Drew Locke over the fuller body of work in five games, you're seeing him be more accurate, make better decisions. Yes, the Broncos did kind of protect him with what Rich Gangrello was calling, but the only, the only conclusion I can come up with for Nick Wright, Nick Wrong, whatever we want to call him, is that he is his only pro glimpse is what his beloved Chiefs did to Drew Locke and the Broncos offense on a day when on a day when the conditions were not conducive to, to good passing football, especially once the winds kicked in. When it was snowing, it was one thing. The winds were the winds were kicking up as the game went on at Arrowhead, and that caused some problems. That, that's the only thing I can think of to to rationalize this, other than the fact that he's just going to kind of keep playing this up because now FS1 has its manufactured debate between us between two two of its personalities involving two teams the Chiefs and the Broncos one of which is the defending champions the other is one of the more popular teams in the league even after the last three seasons and this is just going to drive conversation blah 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 that's I, I feel like I feel like the fact that we're talking about Colin Cowherd and Nick Wright having this debate is just giving them what they want. <laughs> Mace it's absolutely <laughs> hates that we're talking about it. It's fine because they're giving us what we want, which is to get ticked off on a Thursday. <laughs> and, uh, man, we're mad. Yeah, we're – I mean, we're just incensed over here. Um, you know what? I just – I'm honestly – and I'm not just saying this as, like, a, you know, a canned, like, oh, this would be fun. Like, I'm honestly embarrassed for Nick Wright that he can't – defend this take like I can defend his take like I I can play that side of the the of the fence and actually come up with something coherent as to why Drew Locke isn't going to be successful why the Broncos will suck I just like he does he honestly not take his job seriously enough to spend 10 minutes trying to come up with a way to to tell the world why he thinks Drew Locke sucks like he has given zero actual reasons as to why he thinks the Broncos are going to be so bad. I just wish like, I would honestly respect him more if he's just like, you know what? Uh, the Broncos had their, their reign of dominance. They had John Elway and Peyton Manning. Like it's our turn. And that's why I think the Broncos are going to like, at least I can say like, okay, well, I, I get what he's doing. I understand his shtick here, but I just don't understand how he can't spend the time to just come up with one thing, like one thing about Drew Locke, footwork, uh, you know, decision-making. He hasn't said any of those words. You know why he hasn't, Ryan? Why? Because he doesn't know. He, because he hasn't done the research. He hasn't put the time into why? it. Why? I have no idea because it's It's lazy. It's a lazy take, you know, and, and it's entertaining. He's gotten a lot of airtime in Denver over the past month with this take. And it's pretty incredible how you have a guy saying the Broncos are going to go 3-13. and 13, And then talking to him, you have an out, another national guy who says he wouldn't be surprised if they go 12-4. and four. I mean, that range there is insane. And the good thing is, is Colin Coward, the guy that said the Broncos could win 12 games, had a lot of facts to back him up. Well, the guy that said 13-3 and three just said, oh, they're going to have a good defense and Drew Locke is going to be nothing. 
Yeah, I mean, he hasn't talked about Cortland Sutton. He hasn't talked about Noah Fan. He hasn't even talked about Garrett Bowles, which, like, <laughs> come on, just say Garrett Bowles, and at least I'll say, like, okay, at least you know a thing. Um, Does their uh, audience even know who Garrett Bowles is? Probably not. <laughs> then, meanwhile, you've got, you know, PFF over here talking about expected air yards and all this garbage, and it's like, mm-hmm. did you like, did you watch the games, especially the first and last game uh, that Drew Locke played, like they just shackled him. What's he supposed to do if, if they're not allowing him to push the ball down the field? You know, I think that that those, obviously there are opportunities to go down the field here and there, uh, but I think that a lot of those stats are dependent on the scheme and the play callers a lot more than they're dependent on the quarterback themselves. If you watch, if you watch the tape, you watch the games. There was really only one game where they let Drew Locke turn it loose and it was it was Houston after you know Rich Gangarello everyone was all over him uh, about how he was way too conservative with Drew Locke in the first game so then they go, then it was almost like he was saying all right you like go ahead just do your thing push it downfield and of course Drew Locke was really successful in that game so I, I, I like credit to them for at least coming up with a reason and having a stat to respond to, to say it. But I think uh, especially with a change in offensive coordinator, that stat is a little bit moot. I can't wait for Pat Shermer to just not be afraid to let Drew Locke be unleashed in all of these weapons. It's, it's going to be something where I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Houston Drew Locke often this year. And man, that's going to be so fun. It's going to be something we haven't seen here consistently since Peyton Manning in the first half of 2014. I just, yeah, uh. I, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, I, I wish I could just like, I wish I could just talk to Nick Wright and be like, please just give me one reason. That's all I want. I just want to hear you say one reason. Like, I, I'll, I'll stop being so mad about this if you could just tell me one thing other than you watched him at Mizzou. <laughs> one more thing. Give me one thing. One thing. Anyways, uh, speaking of bad quarterbacks uh, or perceived bad quarterbacks, Mace was talking to us before the show, and he said he was looking back at some notes he took down uh, about four years ago, right around this time, because today is the last, um, I guess, off-season program meeting for the veterans. One more week for the rookies, and we were just kind of reflecting back on. Uh, on the way things have gone over the last four years. Mace, do you want to tell the people what you were telling us? Yeah. First of all, I mean, I was just going to put together a piece looking back on what I call the saddest quarterback competition. Mark Sanchez, Trevor Simeon, and Paxton Lynch. But one thing, literally, this is how in the weeds I was. I found this Excel file recently where I charted and tracked, like, basically, every throw that they had based on drills over the course of uh, over the course of the, of, of the practices. And I just think to myself, what, what on earth was I doing this for? Why? <laughs> How pointless was this? Uh, by the way, in case you're wondering, it was the, the quarterbacks combined in OTAs that, that year to throw 13 interceptions, six for Paxton Lynch, four for, Trevor Simeon and three for Mark Sanchez. So although we saw turnover machine Mark Sanchez in training camp, 
because he couldn't stop throwing picks to, Lo- to Lorenzo Doss and turnover sheet machine Mark Sanchez in the preseason games as well. He was anything but that over the course of OTAs. There was actually some reasonable promise there based on, based on that performance. But, of course, when the pressure went up, Sanchez crumbled. And that yeah, I mean – yeah, Mark Sanchez was kind of like the peaches that I bought at the store this weekend. Just as the days went on, as time went on, it just got worse and mold grew all over them until you just had to you had to throw them away. I mean, you couldn't even eat them. And Mark Sanchez, they couldn't even keep him on the team. They just had to cut him. And Trevor, of course, like a fine wine, he just got better with time and, of course, won that job when no one gave him a chance. No, he didn't. It, um, it, actually, it was – I played poker last night with some buddies and um, I had a strategy. So like uh, I was, ne- I never had a lot of money. Uh, I was never up big or down big and uh, second place in the tournament gets their money back. And so like, I was just sitting there uh, and I was folding, 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 just waiting for good hands. And meanwhile, everyone around me was just like throwing big money in the middle and uh eventually everyone else died out around me and i was i had like 20 bucks to my name while the leader had 120 bucks to their name but i i you know i just i played it safe played it safe played it safe and watched everyone you know cannibalize each other around me and i ended up getting my money back on my buy and that's exactly what trevor simeon did he just he just watched paxton lynch embarrass himself and mark sanchez turned the ball over and just wa- waited and waited and waited and waited. The only difference was that he ended up in first place instead of second place like me. Smart man, right? He was do, a smart do man. What you he need still to is do. a smart man. <laughs> the, the coaches said ball security is, is job security. Job and security. he took it real, <laughs> real seriously. And it was like, oh, you guys just want someone who is going to do nothing at all. And I can do that for you. But he didn't even do a good job of protecting the ball when the lights went on. That was the problem. He had he had some turnovers. He it took a while for him to get that touchdown interception ratio to an acceptable level, especially early in in the season. It was uh, it was just in, in ret- it was just sad. It makes you appreciate Drew Locke now because Drew Locke is a direction, a viable direction. Mark Sanchez, Trevor Simeon. It was aimless. Paxton Lynch, you hope, was a direction, but yet what I can't, what I think back on when I look at Paxton Lynch that summer was a brief moment where he got to work with the first team in training camp and he messed up. And then Gary Kubiak, normally pretty calm, cool, composed, and collected, chewed him out right there in front of all the fans that were that were watching practice. It was it was it was pathetic. It was like choosing between Three brands of cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> not a fan and of this cream is what of mushroom. you're gonna have. Not not as my main course, no, <laughs> and not even by itself. It's okay if cream of like you can use cream of mushroom as a base for something bigger. They up in Minnesota, they love to make casseroles that start with that, but also have a lot of meat, tater tots, cheese, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Shout but, out to the Midwest. Yeah, (laughs) you say the word casserole and you lose me. But speaking of ticked off Thursday, Mace, you just mentioned three names right there and you said none of them were viable options. Why'd you stop? Keep going. 
Case Keenum, he was not a viable option. How many times has a guy just come out of nowhere and, and, and you know, put together a great career after how many years in the league? Five, six years in the league? That does not happen. And with Trevor Simeon, he was a seventh-round pick. You weren't paying him anything. Uh, Mark Sanchez, you traded a seventh-round pick from Paxton Lynch. That just absolutely terrible pick. That was a bad investment. But Case Keenum, you paid him. Uh, $18 million for that one year. And then you had to pay to get rid of him too. Uh, and then the next year, Joe Flacco, they, they were hoping that he was going to be five years younger uh, that, than he was. That's silly. That is so silly to count on. And so that's five quarterbacks where you did not have a plan. Drew Locke, yeah. there's a legitimate plan there it's something that makes sense like you said mace he's a viable option it's kind of crazy to look back at the last four years and realize that none of those guys were legitimate viable options and how do you do that with the most important position in all of sports and it's something now that it's easy to look back on and accept back then you know you're in the weeds you're in the grind trying to figure out okay, who's the best quarterback of these three and how far can it take the team? I'm so happy that we don't have to worry about that and that we can look at Drew Locke is the answer for this year and the next 15 years legitimately right now. Well, well let's, we're hoping he's the answer for the next 15 years. Let's, you can, you know what, Mason, but, that's what I'm saying. You can, you yeah. can look at him and say he can be a 15, 10-year, five-year plan. You couldn't have done that with Joe Flacco. You realistically couldn't have done that with Case Keenum. Heck, the Broncos only gave him a two-year contract saying that they didn't even view him as that. Uh, Trevor Simeon, you know, there was a very, very small chance of that happening. Once you met Paxton Lynch, you knew that was not a chance. And then, of course, Mark Sanchez, when you trade a seventh-round pick for a quarterback, you certainly know that that's not the case. $36.5 million the last in 2018 and 2019 to Case Keenum and Joe Flacco. For how many touchdowns? Less than 36, oh I can tell you that. Oh Over a million dollars oh. per touchdown. Yeah. The, the, the basic problem here is that the Broncos kept putting Band-Aids on a wound that, uh, re that required surgery, that required at, at least stitches, more likely actually required inpatient surgery going under general anesthesia. And, and, that, and that was their problem. And they went and – they thought Paxton Lynch was going to solve it long-term, but they didn't do their homework on him. If they had done their homework on Paxton Lynch, if they'd had him in for a visit, if they vetted him in the way they vetted future quarterback prospects, they probably wouldn't have taken Paxton Lynch, but they didn't do that. They just went ahead and rolled the dice. They learned from that. And one reason I think you can be optimistic about Drew Locke is the fact that the Broncos did put the time in on Drew Locke to get to know him, did meet with him multiple times before the draft, did have him into the facility, did figure out who he was and what he was made of before making that commitment, rather than just saying, oh, Paxton Lynch. Well, he's the, he's the top quarterback on the board. Let's just go get him. We don't know what he can do. We, don't, we haven't really talked to him, but he'll figure it out. Eh, wrong. The Broncos paid $1.5 million per touchdown the past two years. 24 touchdowns. Guys, 
if we're, we're talking about Drew Locke having 24 touchdowns this year, and how much is he costing this year? Like $2 million, something like that. So that would just Not be even. an incredible value compared to what they just had. And he can do that in one year. Yeah, but he's going to even cost $1.6 million on, on the cap this year. Well, there you go. Even better value. The past mm-hmm. two years so, between, between those two guys at $36.5 million, you had 24 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. When Drew Locke throws his second touchdown this year in the second quarter of the first game, he will have given the Broncos more value on touchdowns per million dollars, touchdowns per dollar, uh, than the last two quarterbacks in the last two seasons. In fact, he already did it last year in spades when he probably made what on the cap last year? About the same, $1.6 million. Actually, it was, uh, it was $1.275, just about there. In the first quarter of Drew Locke's first start, yes, he surpassed <laughs> both Joe Flacco and Case Keenum in terms of touchdowns per dollar. Yikes, 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 yikes. Now he probably does have some ways to go in order to catch Trevor Simeon's touchdowns per dollar. Yeah, he does. He See, does. Trev, great value, great value. <laughs> he was a great value. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and if he was so to, uh, good, why, where, where is he now? Why is he on a team right now? I mean, he's well, coming he, off the ankle and ligament injury, obviously, but nobody saw fit to roll the dice on him, but they rolled the dice on Joe Flacco. Because he doesn't cost uh, $750,000. Oh. You still got me, Zach? Yeah, I got you. All right. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I, uh, he doesn't cost $750,000 a year anymore. He'd probably have to cost a couple million. Well, I think what Trevor's doing right now is he's kind of taking the Cam Newton route. He's waiting until the team calls him up and says, Trev, we need you to be our starter right now. We just lost Tom Brady, and we're a Super Bowl team. You're just Uh-oh. our missing piece. Okay. Well, all right. Wait a minute. <laughs> Let's say, touch wood. You're a team that loses the starting quarterback in the preseason. Who are you Cam signing, Newton. Trevor Simeon or Cam Newton? I'm, so- <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, even though Cam Newton, I don't know if he's in any way healthy. I don't know if he can throw close to the way he did just three years ago. I'm rolling the dice on Cam Newton well, rather than signing Trevor the, Simeon. I guess the question would be, what's the cost? Is it Cam Newton one year, five million, and, and Trevor Simeon one year, two million? Because in that case, I'll just take Cam. But if it's like mm. you got to if you got to pay Cam like fourteen million or something, then I'll just take Trev. Ah, there we go. I like this. I like this. Uh, and I, I thought you guys were trying to get me really ticked off on this Thursday by picking a guy that both of you admit probably can't throw the ball over Trevor Simeon. I mean, why don't you instead of just a slap in the face? Why don't you just knock me out right now? <laughs> I mean, Trev, you, you know, it, it's not really a good solution to an injury uh, to an injury problem at quarterback to sign a guy who gets injured every few games. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I can't defend <laughs> that. Oh, Remember when gosh. he almost missed the first game of the season cuz he took a hit in the preseason on his shoulder pad? Yeah. <laughs> right after he was named the starter? <laughs> And then he was never the same after that. No. You know, that should be your story. Trev took that hit on the shoulder pad and, and, and like, grew oh, a second amazing. head on his arm. Oh, and yeah. he it, honestly, he wasn't as good anymore. Like, his best stuff was late training camp. Uh, and then he, he busted up that shoulder and spent the whole year trying to figure it out. Wait, that was his second year as a starter? 
Was that his second year? I thought that was his first. I don't remember. All I do remember is he led the league in passing touchdowns through two weeks of the season. His second year as a starter. Yeah, because he went, he threw four in the second game of the in the season. Yep, take back um, Dallas. It's more than. Or did Drew throw four against the Texans or three? Three. I doubt he looked at Drew Locke long enough to note that sometimes young quarterbacks. They get off to a sizzling start, and then there's a bit of a correction as defenses start to adapt to them. I doubt that Nick Wright thought, oh, well, he had five touchdowns the first couple of games and only two of the next three. This must be defenses adjusting to him. I don't want to – you know, maybe PFF no, thought in those terms. Not. But I don't want to give Nick Wright any credit because I don't think Nick Wright thought like that. He, he, if he did, he would have said it by now. He's had <laughs> yeah. a, only, only 50 chances to say it and. <laughs> He hasn't said a uh, damn thing. Uh, <laughs> um, but wait, yeah. real quick, the last thing I want to say about Cam Newton. It reminded me of a little conversation we were having before this podcast. Uh, you know, instead of Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and Mark Sanchez, now the Broncos have um, uh, Drew Locke, Jeff Driscoll, Brett Rippon, is it, and is it Riley Neal? Yeah, yeah. from Vanderbilt. Nailed yeah, it. I nailed it. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking about this, and, and this applies to Cam Newton, too, if a team were to sign him as their backup. I think the Broncos should have a package for Jeff Driscoll. And it's a triple, really could even be a quadruple option package. You put Driscoll under center, or actually in the shotgun. He's flanked by Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. And he can keep it. He can go, you know, he can fake it right and keep it he can fake it left and keep it he can hand it off to philip Lindsay, who will have melvin gordon as his lead blocker he can hand it off to melvin gordon who will have philip Lindsay as his lead blocker and then you throw in the the added package uh, part of the package which he can throw the ball maybe you take a shot down the field i cannot think of one singular reason why pat Shermer would not install this package into his offense and you could use it down in the red zone if you want um or you can just use it in the middle of the field and, and try and pick up, you know, six, seven yards because you're going to keep the defense guessing. I've always talked about it. I don't understand. We, when we talk about the triple option, like when CU played Air Force this last year, they always say of the triple option, easiest offense to install, hardest, de- hardest uh, to learn how to defend. Why does every team in the league not have a triple option package except for the ones with like Tom Brady under center? If you have any sort of athlete, uh, under center, whether it's your starter or your backup, you should have a triple option package. I totally agree, especially when you have a, a quarterback that can run it because then he does have that added benefit of being able to throw the ball accurately. And it's not like a running back just throwing it around. No, you got a guy with vision, a guy with an arm. And Jeff Driscoll, he's fast, he's an athlete, and then he's a quarterback. Yeah, it sounds it, it's, it's good on an occasional basis. That being said, the pitch, the pitch out aspect of the triple option frightens NFL offensive coordinators. Well, and that's why they look, this they one look at that as a turnover waiting to happen. This one doesn't really involve uh, any pitches. That's why I have them right next to him. He either hands it off inside, hands it off that way, keeps it. Technically, you could add a pitch element where, you know, he fakes it to Philip Lindsay inside and then Melvin Gordon follows him to the outside and he can pitch it to him. I'm all about that. But – the, the one play that I really love is you, you put in this package at the 45-yard line. You're, you're driving in on the 45-yard line. Hmm. You do a little fake inside handoff to Phil. 
maybe even an, uh, you fake like you're going to run the option to the right, and then Cortland Sutton has single coverage because both of those safeties just came down, and you just tell Jeff Driscoll, dude, just throw it to the end zone, and Cortland Sutton will find a way to go get it. I, I just, you know, I, I have the, uh, the the Drew Locke touchdown prop, so maybe I shouldn't be uh, propagating this, but <laughs> – I think that you can really get the defense on your heels. Just, just a package. You know, maybe you call three plays out of this in a, in a whole game. Uh, but it, it only makes sense to me to, uh, to utilize Jeff Driscoll's best asset, which is his athleticism. Hey, you're paying him a couple million dollars. Might as well get some value from that. Yeah, I mean, heck, get him to throw two touchdown passes so you can get a million per touchdown pass. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it's not going to cost you a million dollars to get some Breckerage brews. It's going to cost you quite less. And if you think about, you know, the enjoyment per dollar that you get out of a Breckenridge brewery, uh, maybe a 15 pack of mile high city copper lager, it's much better value than even Trevor Simeon. Uh, so make sure you check out the mile high city copper lager, come down to the DNVR bar this weekend, get yourself some Breck brews. Uh, we've got uh, golf on that'll be on at the at the bar this weekend. So maybe you want to come down on Sunday. We do still only open at four o'clock, so you could come down on Sunday uh, for the, the the wrap of the tournament. You know the the home stretch there, which usually begins around four o'clock between four and six is when the the tournament usually wraps up. So that should be a good time, and you can get yourself some Breck brews while you're at it. And also, Ryan, when you're watching golf at the bar. Why don't you just open that DraftKings Sportsbook app to bet hole by hole player. They have so many props going on right now. And heck, listening to this pod, you can probably open it right now, get a little hole to hole action. So I know we've been giving you a lot of futures bets uh, for the Broncos in this season. You got to wait months for that. And those are fun. But if you want some action right now, you want to capitalize on live sports being back Download America's top-rated sportsbook app, DraftKings Sportsbook, and the app is putting you in the center of the action with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So, guys, make sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook. Like I said, they're local, uh, so you don't have to worry about your money being offshore. No, they're right here in America. So make sure to download the top-rated sports DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So don't forget, enter the code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. You know, uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, Manscaped, and there's that interesting ad we have about it being a Father's Day gift. Which, hey, if you're you know if your relationships like that with your dad, then all more power to you. <laughs> uh, but how about this as a Father's Day gift? Just sponsor uh, your dad's first deposit into DraftKings Sportsbook. Mm. That's something that you guys could bond over. Um, maybe uh, you know a little. Manscaped, great product. Maybe not a, a, something that you're going to talk about with your dad very much. This is something where you say, hey, you know, what do you think of the lines this weekend? That's, that's a nice little bonding activity with your dad. And he's like, oh, the lines on the family jewels that you got me? <laughs> he's like, oh, those tiger stripes? <laughs> oh, okay. Your mother loves them. <laughs> 
I think Mace is pretending like he can't hear us. <laughs> yeah, I think he is. <laughs> I'm like, you lost me there, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. All right, let's hop into the questions from the listeners here on this Thursday. Does it not feel like Friday to you guys? Oh, it definitely does. It's a big time Friday vibes. Little feel good Friday. Do we yeah. just enter the bum talk scene now? Yeah, seriously. What are we? Wait, what have we been waiting for? <laughs> Why can't every day be bum talk day? I mean, bum talk Thursday, bum talk Tuesday. Hey, I'm all I'm all about bum talk all the time. So let's do it. <laughs> all right, uh, you uh, guys got the first question there in yeah. front of you. I'm having some trouble. Yeah, I got you. it. Yeah, I got it here. Broncos squared. Hey, fellas, a couple of quick te- questions today. Number one. Do you suspect the defense will have more takeaways this year? Two, would you guys like to see the NFL have a city edition jersey like the M- NBA does? Three, this is for Arcade. You and Allie go by Rally, Koenigsroy, or Monroysburg. You guys deserve a couple <laughs> name being the DMVR power couple. I mean, the answer there is very obvious. It's always been Rally. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a, that's, a, that's a great one. It, it has a little CU flair to it as well. Yeah, well, and also, and, yeah. Oh, what were you gonna say, Mace? Well, I was gonna say if you get if and when you guys ever get married, your you know your little gift to all the people who come to the wedding should be hats. They'll be rally caps. Rally caps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of those gifts are so lame that they just take up space in people's houses. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> like most people probably aren't wearing their rally cap. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe well you, you hope that people don't have to wear the rally cap for like a you know a, a ninth inning comeback for the relationship you know you, you hope the cap's <laughs> oh, just on normally on. the whole time <laughs> if it's the ninth inning it's almost over right you don't really want to think of it that way oh boy <laughs> yeah so what we're you, talking i guess you're just trying to tie it up so it goes to extra innings <laughs> make it last <laughs> oh boy oh, oh good stuff i uh, do the suspect- city edition oh yeah I, I I would hate it, honestly. Um, and the City Edition is a great idea because it's just, just a cash cow for the NBA because usually the jerseys are pretty dope. But they go away after one year. Like, I, I went ahead and I spent a good chunk of money on the Black City Edition this year for the Nuggets because I honestly think it's the best Nuggets jersey of all time. But I, I'm sad that, it, I, I, like, it's going to be – a novelty after this season. I wish the Nuggets would just make that uh, their away uniform, make a white version of that, which they had last year, their home uniform, and then, you know, give a city edition in some other way. But uh, I love the idea of an alternate jersey that everyone can have. It's just the one, the one year at a time thing is kind of a bummer to me. Yeah, because I think the idea of an alternate jersey that also doesn't have fidelity to the base colors. I, I love that idea. We've like in soccer, this has existed for a long time where oftentimes the alternate, the change kit that a team has, the colors have nothing to do with the primary ones. I'm a Manchester city fan and probably their best, their, their best change kit is actually red and black vertical stripes with black shorts and I actually have one. I actually have one in my closet. I'll probably bust it out next week when man city uh, comes back and plays a game that counts. So I, I love the idea of a uniform that doesn't, that doesn't mesh with the current color scheme. The problem is that CSU with its 
state pride look that they have where they're wearing the state flag colors took and took what I think would have been a brilliant idea for the Broncos if they ever did a change uniform like this, which is to have the state flag colors in the uniform. See, I, I, I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. I would have uh, given CU a lot of props, CSU a lot of props if they made that uniform with their colors. I think that would have been dope. Uh, the way they do it now just makes it look like a Colorado high school all-star team. <laughs> Someone's a little salty that CSU got to the idea before CU. No, it I just, looks good. It doesn't. It doesn't look good. Uh, it, it, it just. It looks so boring. It would have been sick. Like I don't even think green and gold are good colors, but it would have looked sick in green and gold. Wait, you think that? You think that look is boring? I think it's. The, I think it's the most exciting look that they have, and I love that the, the, when the rap the rapids sometimes in the last few years that their alternate uniform has been based off the state flag colors. I wish that the, the Rockies would have an alternate uniform like this. So I'd love to see that for the Broncos, but again, because CSU did it, it's not happening. So maybe what De- what the Denver Broncos have to do is lean into the city of Denver flag, even though they'd be hard pressed to, uh, to work with it as well as we have. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, the only um, jersey I like that incorporated the state flag colors because it did it very subtly is the uh, the Nuggets Mile High City alternate uh, okay. where it, it just says like Mile High City basketball or whatever it says uh, in like the circle and then the jersey's blue the numbers are orange slash yellow and or whatever uh, I think that one was well done I just I don't know. Like the Rapids, I think the best one they did was the, the they stayed true to the burgundy and then they had the Colorado flag like watermarked inside of it. I thought that was nice. I mean, yeah, the, that's the crazy thing is the Broncos would be the last of the table here. And so they've kind of missed the boat uh, with this. So I just, I say stay away since, since you were the last ones to, to try something like this. As for your other questions, I do suspect the defense will have more takeaways this year. I mean, they were off to a historically slow start last year in takeaways and sacks, and then they lost Bradley Chubb, so they absolutely should have more. Um, How many and, years in a row have we talked about, like, the Broncos getting off to a bad start in terms of takeaways? Yeah, it feels like forever. Wasn't Vic supposed to be the answer to that? Yeah, and I remember talking about that last year and the year before. We were talking about, oh, it has to – Turn around this year. They didn't get any turnovers the year before, and well, that didn't formula. happen. The formula was well, off. Yeah. So I, I hate to go Vance Joseph mode here, but it certainly helps when you play from ahead when well, it comes to it, generating It helps takeaways. everyone. It helps yeah. everything. <laughs> so. A good way to win is to be in the lead. I, I've always said that. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's try to win a game with fewer points, see how that works out. By the way, I have to. I can't believe we didn't mention this, but the original one with the Colorado State flag was the old Colorado Rockies. Ah, uh, yes, Colorado and Rockies that hockey team was in uniform seventy six to eighty two before they moved to New Jersey. Yeah, that's like a weird. I don't and know. Like no one talks about it. No, I think we're losing Mace in and out a little bit here. Yeah, I, I've. You guys have frozen up like three times on me. I don't have anything else going on the internet here. So I don't know what the hell's going on. Weird. Let's talk uh, about some- w- <laughs> I was going to say ahead. something we all like yellow mustard home field advantage is likely going to look a little different this year, since there's a chance no fans are allowed in stadiums this year. If I had to guess the Broncos actually maintain a lot of their home field advantage because of the altitude, but when they are playing away games, the advantage is a lot less intense. 
Could the lack of fans benefit the Broncos more than it hurts them? What team does it potentially benefit the most? So I think you're on to something there where is if there, if there's no fans, which I got to be honest, guys, I'm starting to move towards a, a world where there are fans, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, if there's no fans, the Broncos, I believe, have the best home field advantage in, uh, in football just because of, of what you mentioned there, the altitude. It's the one thing that really changes things. Um, I'm trying to think, though. I, I just I – don't, I don't know what other teams would benefit from it or why. Um, and I don't either. I can't, I can't think of, of anything else. The one thing that, that, you know, they talk a lot about in baseball, and Drew Creaseman, you know, could come on here and go for an hour about this, which is just that people always talk about the home field advantage of playing at altitude, but they don't talk about the disadvantage when you leave altitude uh, and, and the effects it has on the body. Now, it's much bigger in a baseball season because you're constantly traveling. You're going to altitude, from altitude, to altitude, from altitude. Um, and that plays a role. So I don't know. I don't really know if it's quite as impactful in football, but um, it is something to consider there, which is that, you know, when, when you leave altitude, it also has an effect on your body. Well, it definitely has actually in baseball, though, would have more effect uh, of just how you play the game because the ball breaks differently at, sure. at, at 5,280 feet than it does when you're playing closer to sea level. And just, when you're when you're at the so you literally have to adjust to kind of almost seeing the ball d differently going from playing in Denver to playing elsewhere that's why when you know when we've heard all these ideas floating around about baseball if they're not going to play with fans I thought hmm what if they actually did do that plan of having everybody in Arizona and the Rockies were playing down at Talking Stick instead of Coors Field if you're not playing in front of fans and then for a year that you, you don't have that wild adjustment going from playing a homestand at 5280 to then going on the road and playing LA and San Francisco and playing at much closer to sea level. I could see another home field advantage potentially being a place like Green Bay where there can be some terribly terrible weather and the Packers mm -hmm. themselves are a little more used to it than other teams and uh you know you probably hope that's the case since Aaron Rodgers needs all the advantage he can get. You, you never you never resist a chance to take a dig at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what if I never resisted a shot to take a dig at Tom Brady? Oh, why would you do Please that? Do. He's your guy, Mace. <laughs> Just it. because he's the Bucks quarterback doesn't mean he's my guy. I, <laughs> like, I, like I've said, I now understand the, the small minority of Broncos fans who were still Bronco fans but weren't feeling Peyton Manning while he was here. That's I now crazy. get that. That's crazy. I, I get, uh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm sorry. Next one here is from the good, the, the good man, Iceman. He says, "Hey, amigos, good to hear Colin Cow uh, Coward thinks the Broncos will go 12 and four as well." I did not know how much of a negative Nancy Mace is. Mace, <laughs> please jump off on the Andrew bandwagon while there's still seats left. We're leaving for Tampa Bay, in February of 2021. Go America Broncos, Drew Brady, and my three amigos. And I always <laughs> think it's funny when Mace just can't—he can't help himself to wait to the podcast to respond to a comment. <laughs> he has to jump in there in the comment section and respond. <laughs> oh man, I, I can't let that slide. I mean, I, if I were ne if I were negative Nancy, I'd be I'd be talking like Nick Wright. 
<laughs> I'd be talking like PFF. No, that that's would be a if negative, you were, Nancy. That would be if you were an idiot. <laughs> I, I mean, negative Nancy I, I, would be saying the Broncos were going to go six and ten. Right. Maybe I even mean, that's seven probably, and nine. I, I would say five and eleven because I could see six and ten. Oh. Even no, no, Mace, you're going down that route. <laughs> no, I I can see six and ten if you have a lot of injuries. You're playing a, a de, what appears to be a demanding schedule, but again, I could also I could see that happening only if you lose like five starters on defense, and then you find out that Drew Locke is the answer, but you're losing some shootouts and you're having a season like the Packers did back in 08. But I look, how can people call me a negative Nancy when, like I said in there, I was the first one who was saying this was going to be a playoff team this year. Come on, people, give me a little credit. <laughs> sounds sounds kind of negative to me, Mace. <laughs> oh Next one coming gosh. in from Triad Bronco. Hey, y'all, here's my two cents on mustard. Give my give me fried bologna, Kraft singles, French yellow mustard, mayo, and tomato and Wonder Bread any day. Call me what you will. Yellow mustard has its place on my menu. As far give as- me that sa- wait. Give me that sandwich without the fried bologna, Kraft singles, and French's yellow mustard. Give me just mayo and a fresh tomato. There's nothing like what? a vine-ripened fresh tomato and mayo on a couple of slices of bread. My, my aunt, my late Aunt Louise, used to grow tomatoes on her farm in, in North Carolina. They were, I mean, these things were the, the juiciest, tastiest tomatoes you've ever had. And that's a top five all-time sandwich for me. A slice of tomato, some mayonnaise, a couple of slices of bread. So a BLT without the um, the B and the L. No, just the T. Just just the T sandwich. Just the T sandwich. Just the T. The T and the mayo, and specifically Duke's mayonnaise, which is mostly which is sold primarily in the South. So Duke's mayonnaise, a bit a big juicy homegrown tomato. There was actually a country music song many years ago called Homegrown Tomatoes. Wow. Just, just the tea. <laughs> just Tried and true. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> I, I can't believe that. I, I honestly don't – I can't comprehend a sandwich with nothing on it. Um, but why wouldn't – like, if I want to just have tomato – if I want to just, like, enjoy a fresh tomato, I'm going with a caprese salad. You oh, know? yes. Just slice some buffalo mozzarella on there, a little bit of basil, a little sprinkling of balsamic vine- vinegar. That's that's about as pure of a tomato as I'm gonna eat. Oh if gosh! The tomato is that good. You don't need the balsamic. You don't need the buffalo mozzarella. You don't need, you don't need the lettuce. Why do you need the bread and the mayo then? You, you need it. The bread kind of just helps kind of keep everything together because it's a tomato. You're eating hold- a tomato. What do you no, need help but keeping if you're it together? Holding, but if you're holding the tomato by its like a, a slice of tomato, you've got the seeds and the juice kind of running all over. So the bread allows you to have structural integrity, and then you do have a little bit of mayo on there, which I know is polarizing. But just you know, if you want if you want the structural integrity of a tomato, just <laughs> eat it like an apple. It it already has uh, the natural structural. Why integrity. not just eat the slices with a fork and knife? <laughs> oh, the, the, the tomato never took off as a hand fruit, Zach, in the words of George Costanza. <laughs> I can't imagine eating a tomato like that. That sounds weird. Oh, 
it goes Tron. on. <laughs> oh, we yeah, gotta go take you. We gotta t- we gotta put you on a road trip through North Carolina sometime, RK, and uh, expand your culinary horizons. Man, the food there sounds amazing. He goes on and says, as far as Cam Newton goes, I can understand the dislike of his cockiness and persona on the field, but he's done a lot for the kids in Children's Hospital in the Carolinas. He's genuinely a good dude with a big heart, so I truly respect him for that. I do believe with all the injuries he's dealing with that he has passed the window of being a successful starter. I think his health is worse off than, than is being let on. Anyways, I'll see myself out. God bless. It's nice to hear that he's done that stuff, and it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. From Hip Hip Uray. Uray, right? I got that right. Bingo. Yep. Uh, greetings, gents. The pod, this pod right here is why I love this pod. Ryan and Zach provide their positive discussion of the Broncos going ham this next year. And then Mace, like lightning to a metal rod, just comes in and lands a negative bomb <laughs> to bring us all back to reality. The dichotomy of opinions you all have really brightens my day. Also, Mace, if you have to be the one who says, I'm not a Debbie Downer. That means you are the Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Uh, anyways, I got to put in my tidbit of this whole oh, – but real quick, I just want to say I super appreciate Mace being that, uh, playing that role on this podcast awesome. sometimes because I think it, uh, I think it really uh, – it, it forces us to, uh, to open our minds a little bit more and also uh, it creates the defense, which – any good argument should have a defense to it. So, Absolutely. Uh, anyways, I got to put my tidbit about the whole artisan – artesian? Arte, why can't I say that right? Artisan discussion <laughs> because it reminds me of a story. When I started dating my ex, we were talking about food choices. She was talking about her like, uh, likeness of pickles, and I said, I only eat artisan pickles. Mind you, this was date number one, and we were in a long-distance relationship. Safe to say I was ne- never able to live that one down. And anytime we talked about anything artisan related, that came up. I can't help <laughs> it if I like nice things, all right? Sorry for the long one. Safe travels, Mace. Cheers, RK and Zach. <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, you got to go with an artisan pickle over a uh, you know, bread and butter pickle. Those are, can't do those. Next one coming in from Broncos Sooners, New York Rangers. Hey, guys, I have a quick hypothetical for you. Build an offense with players from 1960 to present day. You have to draft a quarterback, running back, three wide receivers, and a tight end. Here is a catch. You can only pick one person per decade. So, for example, because Terrell Davis and Shannon Sharp both played in the 90s, you can only pick one. His picks would be John Elway, Floyd Little, Brandon Marshall, Demarius Thomas, Rick Upchurch, and Shannon Sharp. Thanks for reading. Have a great day. Be sure to craft a cold breck brew for all the hard work you're doing. Or crack a cold breck brew for all the hard work you're doing. Always amazing content. This one's for Mr. B, Broncos, Sooners, New York Rangers. Okay, I think this guy cheated a little bit because, <laughs> no offense, Broncos, Sooners, NY Rangers, but John Elway played nine seasons in the 90s and seven seasons in the 80s. So it's a nice little trick there that you give John Elway to the 80s, even though he won his Super Bowls in the 90s. So you can also take Shannon Sharp. It, How about you just have to do it based on their draft year? Oh, yeah, I like that. Okay. So then right, you, you would get Elway in the fair. 80s. Yep. When was Shannon okay. Sharp drafted? What year? 1990. Oh, oh there you go. There He's go. fitting this. And Brandon Marshall was in the 2000s. Uh, oh, but Demarius Thomas was, yeah. No, he was 2011. No, he was 2010. Oh, He's 2010. Yeah. You're good there. 2010. Wow. And do the other two match up? Floyd Little in the 60s? 
Yes. Nope. And yep. Rick Upchurch was uh, 75. Oh, wait, I didn't say that right. 75. <laughs> that may be the first time I've ever heard you say 75 without that. I know. If you want a pure wide receiver, you're bringing in Haven Moses from the 70s instead of Rick Upchurch. Upchurch, a much better punt returner. Haven Moses, a ring of fame wide receiver who came to the Broncos in 1972. There we All go. Right. Trade. Good stuff, Mace. Next one's from Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys, touch wood. Got you. With the concerns about soft tissue injuries happening early as players return, could slash would the league implement a temporary safety net for teams to use next year, such as expanding practice squads, allowing a few extra backups in the case the injury bug gets rampant? Yeah, I would assume they would. Um, but they already did expand the game day roster, right? They yep. did, I think. But the question is, do they expand the practice squad? Because they're, there's a long-term expansion of the practice squad. But if they did that this year to make sure teams could uh, have the option of bringing guys up, I don't think it would be for the potential of soft tissue injuries. I think it would be because of COVID-19. Mm, yeah. Either the, way, uh, you know, it would be nice for the teams to have that. Yeah, and in terms of, like, the soft tissue injuries, it, it seems like what's going to happen is the preseason is going to be shortened so that these guys can ramp up uh, and not just jump right into training camp like four days after they get there. seems like it's going to be a process in order to help guys reacclimate. All right, next one here comes from That's Me to You. Hey, guys, I've been a subscriber for about a year now, and I've been listening for longer. I just want to say thanks for all you do. I've struggled with depression for a long while, but this past month have been especially hard for me mentally, and it got to the point where I was in tears Monday due to severe loneliness. But then I put on the podcast, and it made my day a little brighter. Thank you for bringing light into dark moments. This podcast means the world to me. Man, that means the world to us to hear that, you know, we can be that light for you. And uh, honestly, if you ever just need someone to talk to, you can reach out to any of us. I know there's multiple members of the DNVR family who would be happy to talk to you. Obviously, you know, I've noticed a lot of people love to go into the DNVR lounge there's always good people to talk to there, whether you want to talk about Broncos or just life. You know, people love to share their experiences in there. So just know that we're always here for you, regardless of whether there's a, a podcast that day or not. Yeah, and that's me to you. Mm-hmm. To echo everything Ryan said, we're always here for you. This community is always here for you. And, and the lounge is a great place to go to, to talk about anything. So make sure you also check out that. But, um, you know, we're, we're here for you. That's me to you. Yeah, there's some phenomenal conversation in the lounge. I actually wish I could hang out there a little bit more often because I see some things in there that are like they're really cool. But I'm like, do I really want to respond like a day late, uh, like several hours later? Because usually I'm getting into the lounge at like 10 o'clock at night, and that's kind of when it's cleared out. So, oh, uh, let but, me answer that for you, Mace. The people would love to see you in there, in that regard, <laughs> you chime into the conversation. Okay, I I just I always feel like if I just get in there, I w- I will have missed the boat. So. All right, I'll, 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 I'll start posting stuff, even though it's gonna, they're going to be like at midnight, 1 a.m., 11.30 p.m., something late like that. So uh, The DNVR Lounge never sleeps because we've got people <laughs> <Yes>. worldwide. <laughs> Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Saw this tweet from Darren Rovell and wanted to know what y'all thought. The NFL win total that betters think Vegas has totally wrong? 
Broncos at seven and a half wins, 99% of the dollars, including one better who has wagered $9,756 at minus 125, are on the over at William Hill Sportsbooks. That is such a hilariously specific number there. $9,756. Now, actually, I read that, and that gets me a little scared. Uh, it, it doesn't to me, and I actually presented this information to you, I believe, last week, right? I told you guys all about how mm-hmm. that it was 90, yeah. uh, 97% at DraftKings Sportsbook. I just think that uh, people are privy to what the Broncos have done in the offseason, and they're not going to let uh, past failures uh, impact their view of how successful the Broncos could be this year. Yep, exactly, exactly. Uh place where you could be successful is WGT golf. You're going to get the golf kick this weekend when you turn on uh, the tournament. And if you can't get a tee time, cause it's really hard to get tee times right now, you can just hop on to WGT. First, you'll go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT. And the fun thing about WGT is it's pretty easy to learn. It'll probably take you, you know, one day to really figure out. And, and, and by one day, I mean like one session on there to really figure out how to play. You'll have a lot of fun with it. You can deck out your golfer in different gear. You can play in tournaments. And, of course, you can join the DNVR2 uh, Country Club. Go to just Country Clubs, type in DNVR number two, no space. And you can get in on our tournaments every week, uh, every weekend, every other weekend, depending. So make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com to download it from there. Wait, guys, do you hear that? What is it? Yeah. Me neither, because it's the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped. It is that quiet, even when it's buzzing, it's humming in the background. You can't even hear that. And make sure your dad's humming this Father's Day with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get him hooked up with the Lawnmower 3.0. Maybe the perfect package 3.0 for his perfect package, although you may not want to say it like that. But it comes with a crop preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant, a crop reviver, a spray-on toner, and some travel bags, a disposable shaving mat, and the comfiest set of anti-chafing boxers. You or your dad has ever worn. And whether this is for you, your dad, your brother, Whoever it's for, a friend or yourself, use that magical code DNVR20 and you get 20% off plus free shipping. Guys, this is the time to get in on Manscaped. We got to stop talking about Father's Day. I can't wait for Father's Day to go by. (laughs) (laughs) One more week. (laughs) Why? What do you have against Father's Day? I have the idea of buying your dad a ball trimmer for Father's Day. (laughs) You know, I I can go a lot of places with Manscaped. That's the one place I just – I'm not going there. Oh, gosh. Uh, From the other Ryan, my boys, Mace, I wish you and your family safety as you traverse across the Midwest the next two days and that you enjoy some rest and relaxation when you arrive in Madison. While in Wisconsin, please enjoy a bratwurst, some cheese curds, an artisanal sprecher, 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 I believe sprecher, it's sprecher. yeah, beverage for me. I highly recommend Sprecher's Craft Root Beer. My wife lived in the Milwaukee area for a little over a decade as a cha- child, where her father and grandfather started a packaging machinery business out of their garage that turned into one of the largest in the industry. My in-laws remain big Packer fans, and uh, even after going back west for over two decades now. So, Zach, they better not hear you talk about Aaron Rodgers the way that you do. <laughs> I also clerked for a judge in St. Croix, St. Croix, St. Croix, St. Croix County, Wisconsin, 
on the Minnesota border after my first year of law school over a decade ago now. Anywho, my question uh, for you guys today is if you saw the scores rankings for NFL coaches, coordinators, GMs, and owners. Link here. The score has the Broncos coordinators ranked at 21, their head coach 24, their GM at 16, and ownership at 15. How could the ownership possibly be at 15? <laughs> uh, I feel like the coordinators, head coach, and GM rankings are too low with the ownership right about or a tad too high. Are my orange-tinted glasses tainting my judgment? The Broncos don't have an ownership. <laughs> How can they even be on the list? Yeah, they either got to be N.A. or if they put them at 32, I mean, I don't think any of us would bash no. them for that. It, it's in a trust where there's not an owner making decisions. I mean, we talk uh, all the time about who's the highest guy in the organization. They, they don't really have one right now. Well, oh, and going by the, by the methodology of this article, what they cite, they, Joe, they, they list Joe Ellis as the owner, as a CEO. And here's how they assess him. Quote, it's hard to assess Ellis's leadership as he's been mostly quiet since taking over duties from late owner Pat Bowen in 2014. Ellis has consistently backed John Elway as general manager, but how much of a choice does he really have? Elway is the most legendary figure in Broncos history, and Ellis is just a figurehead. All in all, Ellis has kept the team stable as the bowling children fight for control of the franchise, and that makes him more of an asset than a, a liability. So basically – He's Hell yeah. because he's <laughs> filtering so many... out the noise coming from the bowling kids and this... is focused on running the team. This is amazing. This is the RK in the poker tournament slash Trevor Simeon in the quarterback competition strategy. He's early middle of the pack just by doing nothing. That is incredible. <laughs> the people behind him are so bad that he gets credit for literally being a net nothing. It's true. It's true. Oh, boy. Wow. Um, what do you guys think about the coaches being in, in the 20s? You know, I would have the coordinators ranked higher. Um, I think that the combination of Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio, I don't know if they're counting Ed Donatel as the coordinator, but yeah. it's not. I bet it um, is Ed Donatel. Yeah, the combination of Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio, I think, is pretty darn good. I would probably have that closer to the 15 or a little higher range. Um, the head coach doesn't deserve – I mean, 24 seems generous to me. I, you know, all he's got is a 7-9 season under his belt. Um, so I don't really think he deserves much credit there. I guess it's just behind him would be first-time coaches or coaches who had a worse first season. Actually, the guy who's right behind him is Dan Quinn. Who guided, his, who guided his team to a Super Bowl. Of course, Quinn was on the hot seat before he made Raheem Morris his defensive coordinator midway through last season, or defensive play caller, and all of a sudden the defense started getting its feet under it, and the Falcons broke out last year. But So, yeah, Vic Fangio on this list is sandwiched between Dan Quinn on the lower end and just above him, RK, your boy Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> what about John Elway right in the middle of the pack? Uh, I think that's too low, uh, but but I understand why he's there. I mean, it's just, you know, what it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, and even though he's done really well in drafts lately, uh, he we haven't seen the fruits of that labor yet, so he'll be up higher sooner, but his resume, I guarantee you, is much better than 16. Here's the problem. You know who's two spots ahead of him? Who? Jerry freaking Jones. Jerry oh Jones, God. who hasn't been general manager of a team that has played for a conference championship since the first Bill Clinton presidential term. That's terrible. Where do they, where do they, bleep. where do they have Jerry Jones, the owner? 
that uh, Jerry Jones, the owner, is, I believe, oh, just outside the top 10, number 11. There he is. Oh, wow. What about Jerry Jones, the offensive coordinator? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got they, – they have – I don't know where the, the coordinators are. Mike McCarthy, a coach who has guided a team to a Super Bowl, albeit with the great Aaron Rodgers, 22nd. So Mike McCarthy only one spot ahead of Cliff Kingsbury and two spots ahead of Vic Fangio. Yeah, he should be, up, he should be higher up there since he did guide Aaron Rodgers to a Super Bowl. By the way, this is somewhat relevant to Broncos country. Who do you think they have as the worst coach in the NFL? The worst coach in the NFL. I'm say Vince Joseph. <laughs> I'm say, damn, they just—they're not even <laughs> taking Vince Joseph off the list. He's so bad. Uh, give me a second to think about this one. Worst would... coach in the NFL. Oh boy. Yeah. Can we, can we have a hint? I'm trying to think the, the Broncos hint... connection. The hint is uh, he's actually on his second head coaching stint. Okay. Got a ding. I can't, I can't think of a Broncos connection. I mean uh... – I'll give you another hint. Mono. Oh, Adam oh, Gase. Adam Gase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Crazy eyes, Gase. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'd concur with that. Yeah. Adam Gase, the only reason why he's a, 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 a coach right now is because he is a young-looking white guy who has offensive genius uh, incorrectly tied to his name. Okay, so he's, he's two spots behind Matt Patricia. He's one spot behind, at, between, behind Joe Judge, who hasn't coached a game yet. He's three spots behind Zach Taylor. Who just went wow. two and fourteen? Wow! <laughs> so took a team that had been not great but perpetually mediocre and made them the worst team in football in one year. And Adam Case is three spots behind him. Yeah, I mean, but I mean that was the the smart thing to do because going eight and eight is suicide, whereas going two and fourteen gets you Joe Burrow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Man, that is damning though for Adam Gase. Oof. Adam Gase, worst coach in the league. Doesn't surprise me one bit. Uh, All right. Uh, from Larry Den Jr., we got a long one here. No surprise. Okay, interesting game, and I'll explain why later. So if you could do a little fantasy football to help us win 40, uh, Super Bowl forty-eight, what would be the most effective? Swap out DT and Decker for Emmanuel Sanders and Des Bryant, or have Chris and Vaughn and Wolf be healthy to play that game and have Champ be healthy. Uh, I mean – Easy. That's easy. You take Chris Vaughn, Wolf, and healthy champ. Yep. He says, I asked this because I felt what DT lacked was the unmitigated will to rise to the occasion to compete. It's why me and my Broncos friends always wish we had Dez over DT. Terrible take. Now, I don't think Dez is a better wide receiver than DT. I love DT, and he's so much more, and he's so much more talented than Dez. But in big games, when the Cowboys went deep in the playoffs, Cowboys never went deep in the playoffs. Deep in the playoffs. Dez showed up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and other than the DT stiff arm from hell, or the walk-off TD, he was mute in the playoffs, man. You know, a funny thing about Demarius Thomas <laughs> is he has the record – actually, not anymore. But he did at one point hold the record for most catches in the Super Bowl. In this game. That, in this that game that you're talking about. about. <laughs> Emmanuel showed up, uh, but definitely not DT and not Decker, SMH. 
Des played in three playoff games in his career. Three. <laughs> and the most famous thing he ever did in the playoffs was drop a ball. Yeah. <laughs> he by Des Bryant averaged seventy-three yards per playoff game. What a DT average. The magic number. Not to mention a walk-off touchdown and the record for most catches in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Love you, LDJ, but, (laughs) man, (laughs) he got this wrong here. So wrong. On all accounts. (laughs) Anyways, he goes on and says, do you think Cortland has the unmitigated will to compete and rise to the occasion? Uh, we didn't see it when Emmanuel went out his rookie year, but he was a rookie. Uh, maybe he meant DT. I don't know. Uh, and that drop TD pass against the Honey Badger, he messed up. But, I mean, that was a great play by the Honey Badger. Okay, so he's talking about Cortland there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, I do think that uh, Cortland is a competitor who will, who, will, who will rise to the occasion. The person on the team who I most believe – well, a couple people that I really believe in as competitors that will rise to the occasion, Drew Locke. Uh, and Philip Lindsay are two that I believe, you know, will, will, will lift their games up and really lift the team up in those situations once they finally start playing in them. He goes on, I personally think Cortland is a pillar of winning our next Super Bowl, and with or without him, or, or, and without him, we won't win, win one. Uh, but I hope he is how I see him. Peak Des Bryant with more commitment to getting better at route running and the leadership. Uh, you think this describes Court, or does he have a ways to go still? I don't know if Dez is a is a necessarily a good com- comparison for him. Um, I don't. I've always liked the the Megatron, but obviously he he's not quite Calvin Johnson. But you know, just as a playing style, maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, I'm not sure that Dez is the right comparison there. But but I do think that Cortland does have a a fierce uh, competitive. And, it, and here's the thing about him. He's only going to benefit from Jerry, Judy, and KJ Hamler because the past two seasons at the end of the year when he's been called on to be the guy, teams have been able to shut him down. Now it's going to be so difficult for teams just to zone in on him. All right, he finishes here by saying, you ever want to laugh? You got to listen to the Raider podcast describe how great their offseason was. It's so funny. You're trying to convince me how your team's better because of Demarius Randall, Jeff Heat, and three tight end sets with Jason Witten. I mean, no, bro. They swear they had the best rookie class last year. Um, you had three first-round picks, and none of your picks thus far have justified losing Khalil Mack. Uh, maybe Cooper, but not Mack. You still haven't replaced him. It's just funny. They made some nice moves, but I'm not blown away by their draft. And I thought their free agency was typical Raider stuff, overspend with terrible return. LOL. You can't pay Corey Littleton $13 million a year. He can cover, but he sucks at stopping the run. Uh, isn't that the number one job of an inside linebacker? Best meme I've seen this week, I'll do the PG version of it. 2020 sucks, systematic systematic racism sucks, COVID-19 sucks, and the Raiders sucks. Oh, oh, I love it. (laughs) Yes, all of those things suck. Well put, LDJ. (laughs) Oh, man, very good, LDJ. Funny, you know, we we have a Raider who listens to our podcast, a Raider fan who listens to our podcast and and loves to – to hate on us, and uh, apparently that's something that people do. I can't imagine ever spending my time listening to the podcast of, like, Nebraska. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I would literally, if for no other reason than to not give them one more download on their podcast, I wouldn't listen to it. It'd make you want to rip your uh, ears out, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Unless there was one about them, like, 
just kind of like whining about how bad they've been since the Buffs beat them 62-36 in 2001. <laughs> if there was a podcast about that, I could probably get some enjoyment over it. And my guess is they probably don't put those out too frequent, right? Yeah, if anyone knows of a podcast in which Cornhusker <laughs> fans would just like whine and lament over the the fact that uh, they've been bad for 19 years ever since the Buffs beat them like that. And I'm not saying the Buffs have been great. Don't get me wrong. But the Buffs have won a conference title more recently than them. And it was in that year, 2001. <laughs> <laughs> Mace, I believe this last one is for you. Yes, Count Locula. That cowherd episode must have gotten RK in the steaming take mood. I was going to comment on mustard again, but I'm suffering second degree burns from that Hot take that RK skewed about 30 being better than Flash. That is not a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish on that. Let's finish yeah. on that. What do you guys think of my take there? Um, boy, I, I don't think we're going to be able to see that this year, Ryan. I think that there is a huge commitment financially and inside the organization of saying that you're wrong. And I think they want to prove that. They want to prove that there's a reason they just paid Melvin Gordon 10 times more than Philip Lindsay. Do I disagree with you that Philip Lindsay is better than Melvin Gordon? No, but I don't think that we are going to, to see that. Now, Phil may average five and a half yards per carry and well, over five yards per carry and Melvin may average 4.1. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to have to be so drastic in training camp, in preseason, in order for Phil to take over and be that guy. I'm not saying it's right, but I don't think that the Broncos are going to do that this year. I think it's apples to oranges. I think these are two different kinds of running backs with two different skill sets, and it's possible that both can be good at what they do. But Melvin Gordon, a part of why he's here is that Philip Lindsay, as good as he is in a lot of areas on the field and as dynamic as he is, he has not helped the Broncos be a better team in the red zone and in particular on the ground and in overall production from running backs in the red zone. The Broncos over the last four years are right there at the bottom of the league and Melvin Gordon is here to change that. Uh, and, and, you know, I shouldn't, shouldn't say I shouldn't have cause it was fun. Um, but <laughs> there's a problem with putting takes like this on Twitter is just, there's not enough room. I think Melvin Gordon is a great addition for the Broncos. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I like the addition. I don't care that they're paying him $8 million. Uh, and, and I think he's a great compliment to Philip Lindsay uh, as, you know, a, uh, as a running back and as a tandem, I think they're going to be great. And Mace, you pointed out a lot of reasons why that Melvin Gordon is here. What I'm saying is that if I have a choice, I can only have one. I'm taking Philip Lindsay. And mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Philip Lindsay is a better – and this is one thing I also missed on my tweet. I should have said Philip Lindsay is a better running back than Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon is a much better receiver than Philip Lindsay is. Or at least that's what we're – you know, that's what we know so far. Philip Lindsay can still get better as a receiver. Uh, all I'm saying is that if I can only have one, I'm taking Philip Lindsay. I'm glad they have both. And, Zach, while I think you are right at the start, I think that the tide will slowly turn as the season goes on. And by week eight, week nine, you'll start to see, uh, start to see that, that narrative flip. I hope mm-hmm. that, that they listen to what and watch what's going on the field. I just, Ryan, I think it may be week eight or week nine 
in 2021 when that happens, when they see, okay, well, we're done with Melvin after this year and we have locked Phil up or we're going to lock him up, that's when we see it turn. I, I, I hope that if Philip Lindsay proves to be the better player of the two, which I don't disagree with you, uh, Ryan, about, if they see that, I hope that they act on that. I just don't think they will this year. So let me just ask you this, and, and this will wrap up the podcast. How can I be proven right here if the Broncos are stubborn like that? Like, if Philip Lindsay has more yards per carry, more touchdowns per touch, and that sort of thing, do I am I right or am I wrong? Because Melvin Gordon ends up with like 1,100 yards, but it's only 4.1 yards a carry as opposed to 5.5 yards a carry, and he has more touchdowns, but on on more touches. Like, how do I, how do I, how am I vindicated here? I, I'm not sure touchdowns, but you got it. I think you got it right on yards per carry. Also, first down rate. So what percentage of the, the times that they touch the football, pick, catch either that they're targeted. So you're, you're going to factor drops into this. So if you have a drop, that's a chance that you, score, that you squandered. But you know, if you take carries, receptions, and then drops, and then figure out how many first downs that that were accumulate as a result of those plays and then get a percentage. I, I usually take it to go first down rate to say, well, if Melvin Gordon moved the chains once every four touches and Philip Lindsay moved the chains once every 3.2 touches, then Philip Lindsay is the better back. It's sort of the equivalent in baseball of on-base percentage. Do you keep the drive? Do you keep the drive alive? Do you keep the, do you keep the inning alive for your team? You do that. You've, done a pretty good job there and sort and, and kept the line moving so that that's what I would go on for you yards per carry and then first down rate for me it'll be very obvious it'll be just like the past two years when we've been banging the table for Philip Lindsay needs the ball more I mean when Royce Freeman was the starting running back at the beginning of the 2018 season <laughs> we were saying what's going on why is Philip not getting more carry week after week after week and then even when he was getting when he was a starter last year and the end of 2018, we were saying, why isn't Phillip getting more than 12 touches per game than 14 touches per game? It's going to be that obvious. Um, if we're saying that, it means that Phillip's a better player. If we're saying, okay, well, the, you know, Melvin's got a stronghold on the first spot. I like the way that they're using Phil for the 14 touches per game, but Melvin's 15 touches are very impactful. Then I think it's going to be obvious that Melvin's a better player at least for this year, but I think it's going to be very, very obvious. All right. I like it. Uh, I'll take both of those things into account, and I'm excited to see how it turns out. The truth is what you want here is extreme. this to be extremely close. And by the end of the year, we just say, like, yeah, it's really just a pick-your-poison type of thing, you know, which, mm -hmm. you know, yep. it's, a, it's a matter of what you like more in your running back. And, and if it ends up being, you know, a tie or, or a 50-50 split, uh, then I'll be happy and, and I won't have to be necessarily proven right. I'll say, yeah, it was close. Uh, you know, it's, it's up to you. So that's the best-case scenario for the Broncos. I hope that happens. Uh, yeah. But I believe – oh, go ahead. It, it's it's going to be Vic Fangio at the end of the season saying, I want the pasta and the meatballs because you got Philip being the pasta, uh, Melvin being the meatballs, and instead of choosing one dish, you just get them both. I think that Phil is the meatball because he's like a little compact, you know, just ball of uh, fury, whereas Melvin's a little bit longer, like a string okay. of Okay, okay, yeah, I like that. <laughs> 
All right, well, you can't get pasta and meatballs here, but if you're gonna have pasta and meatballs, you probably want some red wine with that. So head over to Davidson's uh, and they're now open. So you can go onto the floor and say, hey, look, I'm having some pasta and meatballs tonight. What's a good wine to go along with this? And one of their great staff will take you through and say, hey, you should try this, this, that, the other thing. And uh, you'll be able to choose for yourself what's gonna go with that pasta and meatballs. But you got to head over there. There's a location in Centennial and also one in, in Highlands Ranch. They're locally owned. They're big Colorado sports fans. They're everything that we love in a business that uh, we support and a business that supports us. So head over to Davidson's to stock up for your weekend today. But for now, that's going to wrap it up for us on the DNVR Broncos podcast. We love you guys and have a great day.